We're now live and I'm doing a little song. Hello and welcome to BXB's Bits and Bobs episode 11. We've all lost our minds. At least I've lost my mind even more than normal. That's right, because games are here. They were kind of here in the last episode, but we've had even more games now and I'm starting to go a little bit crazy. I am your host, BXB's editor-in-chief, Benjamin Stevenson Hall. With me today we have PC Reviews editor, Adam Breeden. Hiya. And we have Reviews Editor, Richard Worrell. Hello. And everybody's here and we're raring to talk about games because we've got so many kind of like big releases and actually me and Richard have actually had a chance to dabble in the games the other one is covering, which is nice. I've played some ReCore today and Richard's played some Gears of War and that means we can actually have probably a, like an actual discussion. Almost rather a than show, just, you might say. Yeah, rather than just one of us monologuing, like, like it's normal uh, as we try and describe a game. But we're not alone in that. I listen to a lot of video game podcasts, and it, and it often seems to be that way. Um, so, you, you know, unless it's a big, like, indie hit that everybody's sort of picked up because of, uh, of the hype, that generally happens. So, you know, we aren't, we aren't unique in that problem. Uh, though saying that, I just want to mention, I, I, had a, I had a code offer uh, the other day. Um, for a game which name has already eluded me, but they offered me multiple codes, and I thought, oh, cool, I'll get a code for Richard, and then we can both play it together. This is a, a four-player co-op game, and that'll be fun. And then we were just sat down to play it earlier on today, Adam, and guess what? <laughs> it's local-only co-op. Oh, nice. So why they offered multiple codes for a game that you can't play with someone else, <laughs> I do not know. Um, so <laughs> just like, yeah, cool, oh, this would be fun, it'll be a silly little cute game, and... It wasn't very good, was it, Richard? I've, I've had I had to check. No, it's not very good. I've had to check, but that game is called Spareware. Wow. I wasn't even going to give the name a shout-out, to be honest, because <laughs> I, I'm probably not going to bother to do anything for it, but you know, may, maybe, I, maybe I will have to now you said the name, and that's Oops. on the internet. Cheers, Richard. Thanks for that. <laughs> haven't got enough on at the minute anyway. I have to think of something to say about FIFA at some point, other than it's a football game. So yeah, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be digging for that one somehow. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, but yes, we've all been playing those games. We we'll throw back to to last week a little bit first of all because there is now a free trial of only thirty minutes available for Recall, which I dabbled with earlier this afternoon. All right. Do you want to talk about that now? Yeah, let's talk about that now. Let's talk Tell about me what now. you think of it because I love. It. I really, really liked it. I mean, uh, I noticed though a lot of people's first impressions of that game were really positive, and then it was towards the end where people started to get a bit fed up with it. But you know, you were really ragging on the visuals. I don't think they were that bad. I don't mm -hmm. think they were like Gears of War good, or maybe like as amazing as they could be on the current generation of hardware. But I think the art style kind of got it through. You know, it kind of was it was able to become quite enjoyable to look at. I really like the desert look and, and the way everything was all like, you know, disheveled and lots of wrecks everywhere and all of that. I really like the setting and it was really, I found it quite compelling. Uh, I thought the controls were really tight and it felt yep. really nice to play. Uh, I like the mechanic of stealing the cores. That felt very good. That like, it's taken me a little bit of practice to work out exactly what I had to be doing. But once I got the hang of it, I was doing it, you know, pretty regularly. The shooting felt good. The uh, platforming felt good. Yeah. It felt really cool. And I've noticed there's been, um, I don't know if you saw, Richard, actually, but Phil Spencer um, commented on the kind of negative reaction from the press about Recall. Oh, did he? Did you see oh, that? He, he was basically like sort of slightly kind of accusing people of writing negative, you know, reviews for the sake of it, for the sake of hits, for the sake of driving traffic, where, you know, being harsher than is warranted. Um, 
Well, I can't yeah. speak to the motivations, but it's definitely true that people have underrated it for whatever reason. Um, I put that down to the presentation because it does feel like a, a sort of B-team game, you know? Um, I like the visual style. It, that's fine, but on a technical perspective, it's obvious that they've just just kind of pushed it out the door, you know? There's not been a lot of investment on that side. I was also quite happy I got about 120 games score in 20 minutes which is pretty <laughs> good. I always enjoy that when they give you the game a score from the demos because uh, for some reason I still enjoy seeing my number tick up. Even They've done a new, they've given it a new noise. There's a new achievement noise, Richard. Yeah. Which I got a lot of Particularly score. rare ones for rare achievements now because in the preview program, they've added a new feature to achievements that will tell you how many other players have also pick that well, it gives you it gives percentage. you a percentage yeah percentage which yeah. is a bit of a, a vague and i'm wondering how they work that number out is it do you think is it based on the current the current amount it's been achieved it, it will moment? have to be yeah yeah it's not an estimate based on how easy it is to get it's how many people have got it so you and i playing gears 4 at the moment the only people playing that are the ones who've either got a review copy or they've paid 80 quid so you know, most of them are rare achievements Mm-hmm. Is it is it is that your stomach growling or is that your dog, Richard? I, I can't decide. It's my dog. It's, he's he's, um, he's, he's, he's sucking himself off violently again. No, he's got a bowl of water with no water, so I'm going to have to fix that. <laughs> okay, you go, you go deal with your dog. That's, that's just the name he's given to his youngest child, listeners. It's really disturbing. <laughs> children but um, we, don't, we don't dig into richard's uh household look, uh, management the way the way it is adam i need people for the website i need people i can rely on you know I you've know. got to take what I you know. can get you know I, I don't need to know about how he treats his youngest child uh or you know calling him dog and and all this sort of stuff it's it's quite disturbing but hey each to their own i'm not going to judge i'm not a snitch you know what happens to snitches they get stitches so i'm just i'm not going to say anything about that to anyone oh have you have you dealt with dog Richard, yeah. just uh, good. Good, good. dog is dealt with. Yeah, good. Good stuff. We, uh, I hope you listen back to the show, Richard, and you'll find out what we were talking about. But we'll move on quickly, Adam, shall we? Yeah. Yes, so let's, recall, let's recall, just, yes, just recall, I think, is worth checking out with the free trial. Definitely. Uh, and seeing what you think about it. Um, it's definitely, I'm a bit busy right now with other games, but uh, I don't know if I'd want to spend 30 quid on it. But if it comes up in a sale, check it out. Definitely going to check it out. Yeah. So that's that's my tentative recommendation based on twenty something minutes of play. So yeah, um, like- it does get better as well. But I'm surprised that you like the um, controls this early on because really? you, yeah, because you don't have access to all of the different shooting styles um, and all of your partners as well that you can switch in and out of battle on the fly. That's a key part of strategy later in the game. So it does get a lot better from the start. Okay. No, I, I thought, yeah, it's it's fairly simplistic, but it, it felt good. It felt, you know, solid. Like, they knew what they were doing when they made it. So, uh, anyway, we should probably... We talked about that a lot last week. So, let's move on. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw to Adam, because I want to mention as well with Adam, right? Adam <laughs> is doing this really entertaining Let's Play series on RimWorld that nobody's watching, <laughs> and people should watch that. And I just wanted to say that first. Please watch Adam's Let's Plays about RimWorld. They're very entertaining. They're very funny. They're character-driven. And there's like a narrative, and I think it's really cool. And you spend a lot of work in, so please help him. <laughs> I mean, it was mostly work done as an excuse to just play another three days worth of RimWorld because I will mm. never stop playing that game. But yeah, especially like from this point onwards, I think 
because I've got quite a few episodes in the bag kind of ready to go. And it definitely starts to go into a very interesting place from, from about this episode that we released yesterday onwards. It gets really funny. Like, I actually do sort of sometimes just watch them back and end up laughing at myself, which is a bit onanistic, but that is the thing that happens. Like, God, you're just so funny. I do all the time. It's how I get through this. <laughs> I, think it gets, I think it ends up being really, really hilarious. So, yes, I'd be really so, pleased so- if people watch it. So this is you're finding time to play RimWorld when you're not watching videos of Mario Maker, even though you don't own. This is true. Mario yes. Maker. So yeah, I, so it's an interesting thing, isn't it? When Mario Maker first came out, I was actually rather cynical about it, and I did sort of, I may have made a few comments about. So Nintendo have now managed to swindle their fans to the point where they get their fans to even make the game for them. Like they're <laughs> even just employing you now as unpaid labour. But. Watching some of the more recent videos, you know, for a while, Mario Maker seemed to be dominated by these auto levels that are just these Rube Goldberg machines that just play themselves, or hilarious troll levels where every fucking block just releases yet more enemies at you and you can't really complete the level and it's just a nightmare. People are starting to do some really interesting things with the restrictions of the sort of rule set of Mario now, and so you're seeing the rise of like puzzle levels and some really innovative clever ways to create like new challenges um and often when you like listen to people talk about how they make these levels there's a certain amount of hackery going on now like people have discovered you can put the little tree stumps that the chomps are attached to in as objects in the world and they have a completely unique set of physics that no other object really has but to do it you have to place a chain chomp and then find a way to kill the chain chomp before it gets on screen so the level you play is not quite the level as built there's all this kind of weird machinery around it to step in and kill things that need to be killed and that sort of thing but yeah i've just become really sort of addicted to it and i think what i'm enjoying watching them so much is that there is now some truth in this idea that there is almost a universal language being expressed here you know like everyone knows the rules of mario it is the original kind of puzzle the original sort of platform game and so people are using what you already know about these mechanics to do some really interesting things and i did i've been on like a week-long YouTube binge of just like Mario Maker levels and if anyone's ever been sort of interested in in that sort of thing some of the stuff that's happening nowadays in that in the Mario Maker scene is just insane also like Kaizo levels are kind of very interesting to me because people are just bending the rule set and bending the move set of Mario to the point of insanity like I don't know if you've ever seen like spring jumps and shell jumps and stuff but yeah, it turns out you can cheat Mario absolutely brutally, and people are now building levels that use these techniques. And it's just, I think it's a very interesting world. I think I think the the thing with me and Mario Maker and like games such as that and Little Big Planet, etc., etc., etc. I always look at them, and go, "Oh my god, that looks amazing! I can't wait. That's going to be so cool. I'm going to make this amazing thing." And then I get them, and then it's like, I don't want to make anything because I find that really boring and I don't have the patience uh, or probably the creativity and it's just like no I'll I'll dabble with other people's things a little bit and then just sort of yeah. bounce off of it so yeah I have definitely seen some of these Mario Maker videos and stuff and um, yeah they are undeniably cool um, what some people have been creating like so impressive but at the same time it just makes me feel a bit inadequate so uh, <laughs> I just I just I I'm it would be fun to have a go. I'm looking forward to the 3DS version in a way, even though it's not online. So I'm not sure how successful that's going to be, really. That's the um, one you, but you, yeah, I was reading about this. You can't share your creations. So what would be the point? Yeah, I guess it's just down to how much is in there already and how much fun it is to just make your own stuff. Um, but yeah, it seems, seems to be weird that take all the online you, stuff out. 
have you ever bought one of these creation type games in the past and actually created things like really create things little big planet the first game i spent hours and hours creating a level and never finished it it was awesome but no one's seen it so <laughs> yeah i don't know it's, it's one of those things if i'm going to do anything good it would take me weeks and weeks and weeks to do it and I just don't have the time. So that's that's it. Yeah, we're, we're adults with commitments, and we, unlike some people, can't call this our job. Um, I think the, the main difference between Mario Maker and something like Little Big Planet, and, and this might be a controversial statement, but as a platform game, Little Big Planet sucks a big dog's cock. Whereas, yeah, that was the thing. It's quite <laughs> quite floaty in terms of yeah. mechanics. So <laughs> the idea of Little Big Planet with the best platform controls exactly. ever. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty good. Yeah. And also, though, there does seem to be genuinely a, a sort of culture and a system in place in Mario Maker that will actually get you visibility for your levels and incentivizes um, like people playing other people's levels. And so it's not just a case of... I always felt a little big planet, there's probably a million piles of crap or even some great stuff in there that no one's ever going to see. And mm-hmm. then there's like the 10 levels that go viral over the course of the entire lifespan of the game that everyone sees. And yeah. Mario Maker does seem to be much more kind of fluid at getting people to actually play other people's creations. So, Richard, despite work, reviewing games, how, how do you find enough time to decide that everyone in this country are cunts? <laughs> it doesn't take that much effort. I mean, that must have been a fairly... And you must have had to do a fairly like in-depth study some form of poll maybe or like some social kind of you know studying engineering type thing going on there where you decide everyone cunts Um, no not everyone um 52 percent something like that i've got to wonder where that number came from I will say, though, being friends with you on Facebook does make me angry because I keep seeing certain people on uh, connected to you Posting things like that just say you lost. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to find where they live and tear their face off. And yeah. it is it is quite frustrating the attitudes of some people. But I thought I was just curious. It's full full of the c word. I've said it twice now. I feel like that's the limit. So I'm going to censor myself now. So uh, yeah, no I just, no that, that was particularly in my mind today because I'd seen that the euro is now worth more than one pound in certain yeah. reports. So I thought. Really, if people aren't seeing by now that the rest of the world doesn't share our unearned sense of entitlement, then when is it going to happen? People I saw this. Come. I saw this really curious program that's just started on Sky One um, the other day, and it had a really strange title. So I was like, "I'll check that out." It's called Hooten and the Lady, right? Hooten right. and the Lady, right? And I was like, what the fuck is that? And it's like, sounds like an Indiana Jones type thing, right? And basically it's about a female historian from the UK who is a lady, like an actual lady, teaming up with an American to rob native indigenous <laughs> artifacts, like so, you did in the good old days of the empire. And the bad guys, wait a minute, no, I'm not even done yet. And the bad guys are predominantly European. And I was watching this going, holy shit, this is pro-Brexit propaganda. <laughs> and it's like, now, if, I reckon, I reckon they made that, and they caught a sort of thought. Mm, you know, if we, if we if we vote out, we'll put this on to start swaying people's minds that you know, ah, oh, the British Empire, good old days, rah rah rah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I turned to the wife, she's enjoying it for that level, and I went, this is fucking pro Brexit 
propaganda. That's what this is. It's remember how good it was when we used to go and fuck up indigenous peoples, you know, like, and it's like really overtly racist. It's got these like this indigenous tribes people with their bone piercings and stuff, oh, silly headdresses, and it's literally <laughs> like like something from the fifties. And I, I was watching this going, what, what, what is what is happening? This is just so fucking disturbing. You know, Britain and America teaming up against Europe. And that's what it was. I was like, fuck, fuck off. Just turn it off. I mean, that's Rupert Murdoch right there for you, isn't it? I feel like he commissioned that show himself. It's um, a fantasy, though. It's, it's entirely a fantasy because it's based on a time when we had to go abroad and kill people and take stuff. We're not planning on doing that, as far as I know. We're just expecting everyone to give us the stuff because of who we are. <laughs> so it won't so take very long for us this to is more. That out. This is more of a show for the not the people in Europe to remind them that they should give us stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they watch that, so, hey, Luke, come on, come on, they're going to need your help. You got any spare marbles hanging about? Because I'll take them. They're going to need to, you know, sell them. But you know, pass them along. Anyway, that's not really video game related, except for maybe the tenuous connection to Lara Croft and how their twentieth anniversary edition is coming out next week. God, I dug that one out, didn't I? <laughs> Did well. Found that video game connection. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, but that, I'm quite looking forward to that as a side note, seeing the, the extra content they're giving to the Season Pass people um, on the Xbox version. And it's going to be available on PS4 and PC as well, finally, which is nice. But instead of talking about games that haven't come out yet, of which there are many games that are big and on the horizon and haven't come out yet, we should probably talk about some of the big games that have come out and Richard still hasn't fucking played even though he owns it. Namely, Forza Horizon 3, which I reviewed in the last week or so, which is no the one. best racing game. I'm going to say this. I say this in my review as well. The best racing game I have ever played. I believe you. And I've played for like an hour. I, I know eight. level five, bitch. You're such a scrub. Level five. You're on my team in the game and you're level five. I've got people, 30s, 40s I could, I could get in. 60s. It I'm, I'm turning them away for your level I five. It. I had it early as well because I, I, I got the expensive version early and I've not played it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I, mean, I was doing me... instead? What? Reviewing Recall for you. Oh, oh thank you. But you enjoyed that, so it's not exactly all bad. You've, you reviewed yeah. something else as well, which you enjoyed, which we'll talk about shortly as well. We've actually reviewed a lot of really good games on the site recently that we've yeah. uh, really rated really highly, and we're going to talk about them now. But Forza, let's, we talked about it in a little bit on the last episode about how we were excited to play it. I think both of us had just got it at that point we were recording, and I, I'd maybe played a few minutes, and so had you. Um, but, you know, I put in many, many hours now, and... Um, it's beautiful. It's this big, open Australian sandbox that you get to drive about in awesome cars. I mean, there's not a lot more to say than that, other than it handles really well, as you know from Forza Games at this point. It dri- the, the driving is fucking excellent. The visuals are excellent. The setting is excellent. Um, the, the social connectivity aspects about playing with your friends and interacting with your friends is great fun. Uh, like I was alluding to, you have a, like you build like a... Um, like a team, you can have a lot of different drivers that will join you and can go on road trips with you, even in your single player world, just with the with the other people's driver tars. It's just it's just the pinnacle of the of the Forza franchise at this point. You know, it's the mixture of that sim racer from motorsport with the open world stuff that Horizon has done so well for so many years. But this is this is definitely the best setting Horizon has had yet. And uh, it's, just, it's just amazing. It's amazing. It feels even more accessible. There's more stuff to do. But just the world itself, my first impression was that, um, hang on, I'm banging through these trees and it makes no difference whatsoever. It's, just, it's like in, in the old days of Forza. Well, um, mm-hmm. It depends how far you go into the forest, Ben. I mean, on the fringes of a road, anything you hit oh, is yeah, yeah. fine. So you've got a big margin of error to just bomb around and just have fun. See, I'm a guy who wants to upgrade my Lamborghini to S2, right, and then fly across the outbrack on it, just ignoring the roads. 
Yeah. Uh, that usually ends badly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> glorious for a few moments. You, you hit a jump, you're doing like a crazy air move, you, you dodge a building flying underneath you, and then you flip over and you lose your skill chain, which is a bit mm. of a problem. But uh, I, I had one race where I was doing this crazy race. I picked up, you know, the, the cool thing actually um, is this blueprint mechanic. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Richard, actually, because you're so early on. But you can go to any of the start points for the races and change the, the race parameters before you race. So you can actually make it so this is a race that Horizon team has gone, oh, it's an off-road race. It's going to go across the outback and a bit in a swampy area. You're going to be driving extreme off-road cars where you go, well, no, I don't want to drive extreme off-road cars for this race. Let's drive um, sporty Italian cars from the 1970s. Huh. And then that's what you drive. And that's yeah. what you can drive on that race. And it's really cool that you can customize it. You can make it a lot harder for yourself, actually, by doing that. Because I've noticed one little thing with <coughs> AI in Forza is the AI is usually, I find, quite easy. So I usually bump it up quite hard. But um, even, you know, with the driver tar stuff. But when you do that and when you put a, a sort of a car that's not designed for that track, the AI is generally better at driving those cars than you are. So it mm. actually, you have to kind of, it's, I find myself coming like fourth or fifth, whereas I'd normally be first if I do that. So it's strange. It's like it's not quite perfect that system, but it, it gives you a lot of freedom. And then of course you've got the amazing music in that game uh, to, to accompany as you drive around, and you know online road trips with people and everything else you've seen in the Forza games. I mean, it's the same basic setup as we've come to expect from Horizon, but it's just at its most polished, its most beautiful, its most accessible it's ever been, and therefore it is the best it has ever been. And uh, I absolutely love it. It's the first I, I, I game to, to go, go back, back to. to it's the first game to go back to properly integrated personal soundtracks as well, isn't it? As long, well, uh, as long as you want to use Microsoft Groove or whatever. Yes, it's I, I think it's the first one with that built in instead of having like an app that you kind of force over the top of a game. Yeah. Um, the Groove music integration. I couldn't get that to work, but I think that might be because I haven't signed up for Groove. I just wanted to use Groove to stream some stuff I'd put on my OneDrive account, which is something mm -hmm. you're meant to be able to do. But I think the problem I have is because I haven't got a Groove membership, it doesn't let me do that. Um, You've got to be a subscriber, have you? Because I've bought I think stuff. You, yeah, I think so, yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. No, but I you use Groove, works. don't you? So well, you, I use, you use it for purchases. I don't have a subscription. Okay, okay. So I, I don't know um, how it works. I don't know. I, I can't really be bothered to do that. I like the music in the game itself is fantastic. And they've done this cool thing as well, which you might not have seen yet, is the, the skill uh, skill tracks or skill tunes, where when a certain song comes on the radio, the, the uh, announcer will say it's a skill track, and it will double all your skill points while it's on. Oh, wow, that's clever. Really silly, but like makes no actual sense. But that's kind of the fun. There's this fun part of Forza where they... They took like the, the announcers and your and the studio uh, and the sorry the festival organizers and stuff that you play. With, they know they're in a video game. Yeah, it's really odd. They know they're in a video game. They know you're playing a video game, and they don't take it like all super seriously. It's like they're, they're, it seems to be almost fully aware that it's a game, even from the characters inside it, which I kind of respect because it's like. Yeah, this is just a piece of escapism for you to enjoy. This isn't mm -hmm. a fucking story-driven experience where you're meant to be immersed. You're meant to be chilling out on the open road and just, you know, doing a few races and hanging out with a few friends and listening to some music. And that's, you know, it doesn't need to be high-minded and, you know, smart with it. Just just accept what it is. And it does, and it, and it embraces it so wonderfully. Um, I Yeah, I love that game. That game is it's close to perfect to race a game. That kind of racing game, I think... I think 
yeah, it's difficult for me to pick this year because the Formula One game this year was also fucking amazing. Um, but I find because Formula One is a less accessible racing game, um, I think I'd have to pick this one just over it, just, just fraction. Yeah. Also, yeah. Horizon Three's got Halo's Warthog in it, which I've it been does. playing with this weekend. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a bit weird though, driving it like a conventional car. Yeah, because is. you're so used to driving it with thumbsticks. Yeah. Uh, so that's a bit strange. But yeah, no, the, it, it's cool. And there's, the, I, I, you know, already they've got the first pack of new cars out. They're doing one a month if you've got the car pass. And uh, there's some great cars in there. Just so many beautiful cars. So much variety from, you know, all the way from like the, the 30s through to modern hypercars. It's just brilliant. There's so much cool stuff in there. And it's so pretty. So pretty. Mind-blowingly gorgeous game. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I it feels go like check out box. my go check out my five star review. But you know, this kind of is the same as that. It's just me pontificating about how much I fucking love Forza. So <laughs> buy it. It. It, feels, it feels like a step up for Xbox One, doesn't it? It's one of those titles that is like next level for the for the hardware it's on. That that in combination with the game I will be talking about shortly is definitely be, feels like the ushering in of this new era of of next gen games. Yeah, we've got away from the games that were being developed cross-platform. We've got, yes. you know, these are games that have been designed specifically for the new hardware, and it really is starting to show what can be done on, on these new consoles. I mean, it's, yeah, you, you compare it to the PC, and the PC is always, at the moment, until maybe we get Scorpio and stuff like that, it is ahead, but for what the consoles are and where they're at right now, this this lineup at the, you know, this Christmas lot of games, this holiday season of games, is really showing the horsepower and and it's the lighting <laughs> and the the beauty of the visuals are really coming through. So it's it, it's really cool. Yeah. Anyway, oh, I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> need to take a breather. I might go and get a beer. Uh, and while I do that, I'm gonna. Who should we do? Adam, you decided to, off your own back. I'm a little yes. bit offended about this. Off your own back, <laughs> a video game. I did. Yes. And review one. I didn't send you. No. Nope. Like a slap in the face it was. A <laughs> because all well, my games that I send you suck, for the most part, it would seem, to be mm-hmm. fair. And, uh, and you reviewed a game you absolutely fucking bummed hard. I did, yes. He's an old, <laughs> do you use an old school yard term? That like is the, that's the technical term, definitely. Technical a lot term. of bumming. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah like, I mean, I, I do address this in, in the opening to my video review, that most of the keys we get from Keymailer it is like finding them in a wood. I mean, they're terrible. <laughs> right? and not, not all the PC games come from there. I've just sent you some terrible games from somewhere else, and I'm sure that, you know, there'll be more. That's true. So, look, come on. You got the problem that, but that's the problem with your fucking PC Master Race platform is because it's so easy to produce shit for, that, for the PC that it's just yeah. filled. 99% of the games on PC are bollocks. Yeah, and, and when problem. when a console produces anything as clever as Undertale, you can complain about that. But mm-hmm. until then, yeah, yeah. I will sift through the shit and occasionally find incredible things of beauty. Uh, yeah, I reviewed Big Pharma. It was it's excellent. Um, it's like it's a puzzle game. It's also a kind of management game. I thought I was going to buy something that was going to be like Theme Hospital, um, and actually, what you're buying is. Almost like space chem, but with nicer graphics. Uh, there's a lot of kind of spatial stuff to it that's very interesting. I, I'm trying not to step too hard on the toes of my review, which covers all this in a lot more sort of detail. So if it sounds like I'm giving it a bit of a vague treatment, that's why. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed it. Still enjoying it. I think having played it slightly longer term, you do get a bit fed up with the scenario system it runs. Um, a lot of 
a lot of it feels like you're retreading old ground, you know, like, so you can play a level where here's your set of resources, here's your set of technologies, and you've got to earn a million pounds in five years. Brilliant. And then you can play with that exact same set of resources and technologies, but now your goal is to ship a hundred antidepressants. And it's like, well, this is just the same thing, right? Like I'm just doing exactly the same thing, just prioritizing one specific treatment. So you get a bit tired of it that way, but then I can't even criticize it for that because once you're bored of those scenarios, there's a huge scenario editor where you can just set up any terms you want for the game. So it's totally customizable and fine. Just loving it. Really, really good game. Um, people should buy it. In particular, they should buy it with the DLC because the DLC is fantastic for it because it adds all the sort of satirical elements that maybe it was a bit light on in the original version. You, um, it's, not, it's not on sale anyway anymore, is it? No, no, I did like I felt a little bit bad posting the review because I'm gonna s i am going to gave it five stars. I bought it for like seven quid on Steam because they dropped the price by like eighty percent for like one weekend. And if you want to buy it now, I think it's back to fifteen or something. So yeah, sorry about well, that. Well, you know, as a if we're gonna talk value propositions, I'd say based on what you've said about it, it's worth fifteen. Oh for for sure. Or 20, it's it's or fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and really unique, like genuinely not like any other game. I thought it was gonna be, you know, pretty comfortably in that region. But it's not. It's it's something all of its own. There is this really strong puzzle game component to it that, that really surprised me, and I ended I ended up really really enjoying. Wow, so it's very good. I I've missed those types of games so much. I've not. I don't think I've done a a big sort of management um, game of that level since. I'm trying to think. The last Civ, I guess, was I yeah. massively into when that came out, um, and I had the time. It's just, it's just, I want to sink. When I get a game like that, I want to sink 30, 40 hours <laughs> into it, and I just, I just don't have that fucking time at the moment, especially when with running BXB and, yeah. uh, you know, it's not just. I will say it's, you know, it's not just reviewing games, but it's, it's managing the back end and you know sorting you guys out with codes and stuff. It's just like fucking admin. I need to hire someone to do the admin. I might do that. Um, but you know, you know, I would love to play Big Pharma. I would absolutely yeah. adore that game. I think so. It's for sure, those sorts of games are games for students and unemployed people, and you know, and, people who uh, can take a week off indie, work to play. Indie game developers like yourself. So yeah, that's functionally identical to unemployed people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, look, no, you don't call you, no indie game. Come on, I own it, own it. You've made a game. You have a game on Steam. Like you know, it's more, it's more than me and fucking Richard have. You know, nah, we have a proxy right. website to show, you know, which doesn't even have a logo at the top. But don't, oh. you know, I, okay. I've got something in the pipeline. I'm working. I'm working on it. But every now and again, I take a day to play stupid management games instead. Mm. That's always fun. Where's life without a little bit of gaming? And, and if you can't take a little bit, take a lot. So uh, Richard finally has finally played one of the big, it was the beginning of this year or was it last year this came out on PS4? Wasn't Witness. it? There is, no, I think it was this year. It was this year. I think it was around when the site launched, actually, because I tried to get some code for it on PS4 and was promptly ignored. Yeah, so I think that, that, that might be what it was. Yeah, I remember you did, didn't you? Yeah. Um, so, you know, but finally we got some code uh, for the Xbox version of The Witness, which I own on PS4 but have yet to play at all. You haven't so, played it? I haven't, well, even put, I haven't even booted it up. I bought it and then never played it. Well, 
as I'm prone to doing, I've overplayed it. I finished The Witness for my review. Jesus <laughs> and, Christ. <laughs> I, don't, so, I think most people who reviewed it even said in their reviews, oh, it's so big and hard, I didn't even finish it. But, you know, I played it for 40 hours, so here's my review. You didn't even, you finished the game. I finished it. I only cheated on one puzzle out of 470-something. That sounds uh, about right. Yeah, so really enjoyed it, actually. Um, I wanted to keep playing rather than just do 50 puzzles and put, churn a review out on, base, on that basis, which I thought I would be able to do. Um, it's actually not that simple because um, if I just explain what the, the premise of the game is, the marketing will tell you it's about a man marooned on an island and him discovering why he's there. None of that is true. You are <laughs> on an island. Um, there's stuff on it, and it doesn't give you any explanation about that stuff. It's just up to you to walk around and find a way to um, get out of gated areas and see more stuff via puzzles, which are all on uh, LCD panels dotted around the, the region. So this starts in a tunnel. The end of the tunnel is a panel. There's a dot with a line coming out of it. If you touch the dot, trace uh, across the line, um, press A to complete that line, and then the door will open. And that's the essential mechanics of this game. You touch a dot, follow a line to its natural conclusion, and then you can proceed. That becomes more complicated with the line transforming into mazes. Things will be inserted into those mazes, like colored dots or patterns that mean nothing uh, on first impressions but then when you when you encounter them in their simpler form elsewhere on the island it will suddenly make sense and then you'll go back to where you first saw it and think right I get it now this is what that colored triangle means and you learn this really abstract set of rules um, with geographical roots so you're always thinking in sort of two planes, you're thinking, right, how does this puzzle work? And where else in physical space have I seen it before? And it's just, um, it just makes you feel like your brain's on overload. And you just feel really intense playing it all the way through, which is weird for a game, which is essentially walking around and pressing A at a sedate pace. And I don't feel like anyone's ever done this sort of experience justice to this level of quality before. There's so much in it and the island is so beautiful and it's paced to such a perfect pitch of um, just, just sort of the difficulty curve. In, it, it always feels like you're challenged, but none of it feels easy. Um, but all, all too hard, apart from the one puzzle that I had to cheat on. And after I cheated... I still didn't understand what that puzzle was about. Um, but that's one out of 470-odd. And all of the rest, I did have to think about some of them for maybe 20, 25 minutes and think, what am I missing? What, what's going on here? And I won't spoil any of it for you because I want you to experience it for yourself. But there was always a logical solution. And when you find it, just the sensation of just, I am amazing for working this out. It's <laughs> just that 400 times. Really enjoyed it. See, as a man, as a man who loves a walking simulator, i.e., I like everything to be given to me without really any resistance. I find myself. I see I, everybody was losing their minds about the witness at the start of the year, and I was like, "Oh, brilliant! Okay, I want to know what's going on with this." And then I kind of looked at it and I went, "I'm going to hate this, aren't I?" 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna really hate this. I'm gonna bounce off this so fucking quick because it's gonna require me to actually use my brain. Yeah. Um, and uh, on the other hand, that that's a lot to do with the fact that I need to play four games a week. Um, and it's like I just don't have the time to dedicate. But that is a weak ass excuse, and it sounds like an amazing experience. Uh, and it, it, it looks, is amazing. It looks lovely. It looks so nice as well. It does look yeah. beautiful. Um, but yeah, if you're in the position where you've got lots of other things to play, it probably isn't the best thing to start. Um, as I found to my, um, you know, to my detriment this week with other other stuff to review, um, you can't really come back to it. I don't think because well, we'll have to see. I've still got a few more puzzles to go back to, if it lets me. Um, I have finished the game. I think that it expects you to start all over again rather than go go back and pick up anything that you've missed. So I'm not sure I'll bother. Uh, but if you can you, just pick, if you can just pick up you, the uh, spare missions, the sort of the spare puzzles, then I'll, I'll go back and try that. But I do wonder if you leave it for two weeks, three weeks, how much of it you'll remember, because it does rely upon you layering um, you know, various different types of learning from various parts of the island and then combining the, what you've learned into a single puzzle, and it becomes really complex by the end. Jesus. Sounds amazing, like a bit, an amazing piece of design work, though. Holy mm. crap. But I'm going um, to segue us from one game that was only to be released on one platform to another game that was only to be released on one platform. From one game me and Richard have had some experience with to a game now I and Adam I've had lots of experience with. And I know this is one Adam has been desperate to talk yes. about for so, so long. And we haven't really found a way to use it. But now this is the perfect excuse. And that is XCOM 2, because it came to consoles in the last Did. couple of weeks. And I reviewed it on Xbox and gave it five stars. Another five-star review to go with my other five-star review and Richard's five-star review. And yeah, it's a, it's a good time of year for good games right now. And my God, XCOM is a good fucking game. Um, I loved the original XCOM. Uh, wow, okay. I loved yes. I did enjoy the original XCOM, the original, original XCOM, but I also really enjoyed the remake of the original XCOM, which came out, I think it was 2012. I mentioned it in my review, but I can't remember now off the top of my head. I did look that up. But uh, I believe that's right. And uh, that's. No, one, no one enjoyed the original XCOM. No one enjoyed the original, original uh, XCOM. The I remember original playing it as a kid. Was it a, an engine of purest sadism <laughs> built in the pits of hell? It was easily the hardest video game I've ever played. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, but I mean, the idea of it was very cool. I remember playing it as a kid going, this oh, is a really cool concept. But then, yeah, bouncing off of it probably within a week or less, you know, and, and moving on to whatever else and forgetting about it for many years. And I, and I think what, what 2K and Firaxis have done here amazingly is bringing that concept into the modern <laughs> day. You know, they're making it easier in some ways, but not taking away the, the kind of the core methodology of the game that makes it so fun and so compelling. And the basic idea right, in XCOM and in XCOM 2 uh, is that you lead a squad of, uh, of soldiers against an alien menace. And it's turn-based combat, and above that you have like a management level in which you manage the resources of research and engineering to help support your squad. But you're basically dealing with an alien menace in a turn-based uh, battlefield situation uh, in which you have permadeath. Uh, and that's kind of the, the core thing to remember is the permadeath. When you lose a guy in the battle, when they die, they are gone. So all their skills, what they've learned, 
the character that you've built up with them over time, the connection you've established with them, it's gone. And you do feel a genuine sense of loss when you lose some of your better soldiers uh, when playing XCOM. Uh, and Adam mentioned, in, when looking at my video review, that I was a <laughs> reckless commander. Now, I like to point uh, out, I'm not reckless, I'm gutsy. All right. I'm a gutsy commander. <laughs> I take the risks, but I get the results, Adam. And it's not about the individuals, it's about the greater good. Mm. So I just wanted to point that one out. Um, How far have you got? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, not as far I've not got I've not got to the end of the game I won't lie I, mean, I put in like uh, I don't know dozens <laughs> of hours I put in a lot of time but at the same time yeah it's, it, I want to play more I desperately want to play more it's so much fun and it just gets better and better and better as it goes along as you upgrade more and you get more abilities and you get more um, skills for your different troops and you get unlock more stuff in the base and you get different weapons and the story I mean let's, let's just talk about quickly what XCOM 2 the conceit behind XCOM 2 compared to XCOM 1 is in XCOM 1 you're resisting the invasion in XCOM 2 you guys lost the aliens won they have invaded, in a way, and set up a puppet government to run the, the whole planet. You are now the dirty resistance. You're the underground fighting against this oppressive regime. And it's so cool. I don't actually want to spoil how you as the player are introduced back into the game. Um, because it is really cool. And it's integral to the story. And I was really impressed with that setup, Adam. I don't know about you, but I thought it's, narratively it was really smart. Well, this is really one of the reasons. Through. One of the reasons I've been so desperate to talk about this, and I, I sort of agree with you that we shouldn't spoil it, but that's a shame because there's a yeah. nuance to it that I don't think any of the reviews that came out at the time picked up on properly. Okay, I'm going to ask you then. How, how it how is very. Will it be, it's, 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 it, I mean, it spoils how you get reintroduced into the game. Yeah. What I'm going to say is this. Yeah. Um, so. There's a beautiful quote from one of the lead designers on it who said, when he was asked, like, you know, so where do you pick up from the original XCOM campaign? You know, we've all completed that. We know it ends. Where do you, like, step in and change history? And he, and he said, do you remember the first time you played XCOM on Iron Man? That's canon now. That's the playthrough we're continuing on from. So the one where you got <laughs> fucking massacred immediately, that's, that's the starting point for our story. <laughs> and that's brilliant, right? And it's unique. I can't think of a, another sequel that goes... Like, you know, imagine if, like, Mario 2 starts with, yeah, you never met, never rescued the princess. You just kept dying on level 1-1, one, one, and, and that was the end of it. And that's the story we're continuing. Like, it's just beautiful to see a, a company do that. But what's even better is that there's a little piece of information that's revealed when you are reintroduced into the story that doesn't just let that first playthrough be canon, but also makes all the other playthroughs you did canon they managed to integrate your entire history of playing the yep. original XCOM into the narrative. Yep. And that is a moment of game writing that I just want to give a standing ovation to. That's the did, cleverest shit I've ever seen. And it's not just a throwaway thing. It actually no. becomes kind of integral to the whole plot, that, that clever yeah. moment. And it's, and it's so well done. And I, I am very impressed with the guys there that they come up with that. I mean, Christ, what are they going to do for XCOM 3? Who fucking knows? Um, well, I've completed it, so I know. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. So they set up a sequel. They set up oh, a sequel. Does. They set up a direct sequel, do they? <coughs> yes. Okay. okay. Um, oh, my God, the end. It also means that your early experience of the game is the game basically sort of pointing out of the screen at you, the player, and saying, you are humanity's secret weapon because you have decades of experience fighting these aliens that no one else has. You know how to beat them because you've beaten them in a way that no one else possibly could have. 
and that is another brilliant thing because I don't know, like I'm very it's, susceptible to the theming of XCOM. It makes um, me very uh, silly. In, in a weird way, it's it's similar to how the the radio DJs and the festival organisers of Forza are aware that they're in a video game yeah. and let you, the player, feel agency within the experience. It does that. It's a different way of doing it, but it's a way of it's a way of sort of bringing the reality and the fictions together in a very mm. compelling way that makes you feel even more invested, even more invested than you were in the original where you just built up a team with all your mates' names and stuff and customised them to crazy degrees. And you can do even more of that in XCOM 2. Um, and, and, you know, when you lose a guy and you're like, oh, my God, I lost Jim. Jim had this backstory. He, he, he mattered to me. He was my sniper. He got all these kills and he's gone. And he's gone yeah. and, it's, and it's over. And that's it. And you've got now you've got green, this green guy coming in. You know, but what's his story going to be? And it's always these great emergent pieces of storytelling, and you know, you really have a, you really grow an experience from it. Now, I, I just ha- we do my due diligence to mention it does have some technical issues still, and I know the PC game when it first came out had a lot oh. of technical issues, and you kind of oh, yes. would have thought you would have thought at this point that most of this would have been cleared up. But the main issue I had with XCOM 2, weirdly, was um, really bad frame rate. You know, when you're in the dropship, um, yeah, uh, yeah, mission. And you're and you're sort of loading in the mission. <coughs> Everything would go to like um, like two or three frames a second yeah, for quite a while in well, there, and it's not affecting the gameplay, but it's kind of jarring at the same time, and and pulled you out, pulled me out of the experience a little bit. Uh, and then I did have a couple of hard crashes to desktop as well. Um, but but saying that, the saving. Um, if you're playing, I think you're not. If you're, I don't know how it works in IMO mode because I've not tried an IMO mode game in XCOM 2 yet. But in the normal modes, um, it seems to save like all the fuck between every turn almost. Yeah. So even if you I have a hard so. crash, it does, does it? Okay. Even yeah. if you have a hard crash, you can get back in and and oh, there's almost an acknowledgement of how technically iffy it can be at times that it's here's how often. another sign of the like for Axis have understood the the true like heart of XCOM is the Iron Man saving regime is this harsh, right? At the start of your turn, it figures out what dice you're going to roll for all your shots. So even if you take the shot, the instant you see it's missing, you turn your console off and reload your save to try and get a different roll. You will get the same roll. Like they know, they've already decided your future to some degree so that there's absolutely no way you can save scum. (laughs) They've illuminated it to the nth degree from their Iron Man system. Fair enough. I won't lie. I have saved scummed a little playing this game. I won't lie. I admit that in the review as well. And it's very, it's very tempting at times when I've got this chick. She's badass. She's got a crazy sword. I've given her like a crazy Bashiju mask. I have a real connection to her and she died. And I'm like, no, no, she didn't. I'm bringing you back. That'd be one of them gutsy moves you made. Yeah. One of my gutsy moves. Sometimes (laughs) they don't pay off. But there's a reason, isn't there, Adam, for the gutsy moves? There is a, there reason. Is a reason for the in gutsy moves. In XCOM 2, much more than in XCOM 1, I can't actually remember if this was... I think maybe they did this a few times, but it was very uh, very rare. They there is, did it there is, twice in two of the DLC missions that were added okay. to XCOM. That's what I must remember must remember it from then, yeah. The train um, station level. There, there is a time limit, or a turn limit, to a lot of the missions you undertake in XCOM 2. So you'll have eight turns to get to an objective and secure it, or 12 turns um, to extract something, or you know something to that effect. And that means you're under, you know, you can't be just move a little bit, Overwatch. Move a little bit, Overwatch. Exactly. Move a little bit, Overwatch. And like you did maybe in the original when you had a hard mission. You have to move more aggressively, uh, and therefore sort of 
put yourself at a bit more risk, yes. I'd say. But, then, but in addition Absolutely to that, true. the other kind of big new mechanic is the um, concealment mechanic. Is, is that what it's called? I'm trying yeah, to remember concealment. It's called concealment. concealment. Concealment is cool, basically. So when you're in most of the missions, when you go in, your team, when they first land at the battlefield, are invisible to the enemy which means you can move them around and position them as long as you're careful not to alert the enemy uh, and then sort of set them up in an ambush position, trigger yeah. the enemy's behavior, and then let all your team just swap the crack out of those alien scumbags like crazy, uh, which is really satisfying when you pull it off well and you take or out just, four or five enemies in one go. Yeah. Or just right scout the, the first enemy positions because I think most people who've played the original XCOM, and I hate the, like, the, the original XCOM, you know, the, the, yeah. the 2012, two, yeah. 2012 version of XCOM, Enemy Unknown will have experienced that thing of at the start of the mission, you don't know where the aliens are. And if your last move on a turn is the one that uncovers the aliens, well, they just get an entire turn of free shots at enemy at units that you maybe haven't positioned as optimally as you'd like. And that's probably the most common way you lose a soldier. Um, yeah. So the concealment mechanic does a great deal to address that. I really love the way in XCOM 2 they have properly looked at how were people gaming the system in XCOM 1 and then smacked that tool out of your hand with extreme prejudice. You know, they go, oh, really? Overwatch creep, is that what you're doing? Well, 12 turn time limit, bitch. Now what are you going to do? Oh, and <laughs> new enemy type who can pull your units away into the middle of the enemy position. So you best get fucking moving now. Oh, they're fuckers, like, them ones. Oh, it's so good. So many, like, clever decisions in the design that may mean none of your old shit works, and you've got to relearn. And you've got to play much more interesting battles. Like the tactical battles are just much richer because you're not just doing the same thing every time. You have to adapt and you have to take risks. Another really interesting thing is that most cover is destructible. Which yes. means, and, and that works both ways. So you can remove cover from the enemies, but they can also obviously remove cover from you. And that, that certainly adds, <coughs> yeah, another little wrinkle that you have to think about. You know, you can't just stick in a position, hold it, you know, you know, and just let them come to you. You need to be moving constantly, rethinking your positioning, rethinking your overlapping fields of fire, thinking about your cover points from multiple angles because, hey, guess what? They, they can take out that cover from that angle and you're going to be exposed. Um, so, yeah, there's, also, there's a lot of stuff. I don't know if Enemy Unknown had falling damage, but there is no falling damage as well. So you have to worry about them shooting the floor out from under you as well. Um, and you can, this is a good trick for killing like turrets in particular. Turrets instantly die if they fall, so it's very efficient often to just get under turrets and take the floor out from underneath them because turrets are generally positioned up high. There's so many little nuances to the sort of gameplay now. Yes, yeah. yeah. and, you, and you just keep discovering them as you play it. And there's always another wrinkle and there's always another little reveal. How's this weapon combination going to work with this class? Oh, there's an ability in one of the tree in the ship that you know you can in your in your base where you can basically give random abilities to different classes. Mm. So you can end up customizing a class with, with abilities from a different class, which makes them into like an uber fucking class. <laughs> you know, if you get the role and you get the thing you want, you know, yeah. it can be really, really effective. Um, there, there is so much cool shit in that game. And it's so good that it's on consoles and it works really well. I mean, it plays really, really well. Um, and it, you know, it looks quite nice, except for the odd little technical problem. But hey, fuck it. I'm overlooking those technical problems. This is still five stars for me because it's such a great game. Um, so there you go. That's <laughs> to talk about how weird some of the technical problems are on the PC version, though, did you ever hear about the caps lock bug? Yes. <laughs> this is yeah, that's a really thing. Watch, watch. 
but it's I the do... strangest thing I've ever seen in a commercial game. So when you're in the Avenger at the end of a mission, you've got this kind of panning camera that's showing all your troops sat there. Like they're either happy or sad based on success or failure of the mission. And there's like a set of stats appearing on like a video screen at the back of the cockpit. And it's a bloody long load. Like you sit there for a good 20 seconds sometimes before you're back into the sort of strategy layer, command center management uh, stuff. Unless you press caps lock during that load, and if you press caps lock during that load, it takes about three seconds and it's done. And when I first read this, I was like, oh, this is classic PC gamer magical thinking. It doesn't really. And then I tried it, and no, I mean, it literally was a 25-second load becomes a two-and-a-half-second load if you just turn caps lock on during that load screen. <laughs> that reminds me of my... my... I have no idea why. That reminds me of one of those tips that you'd have when when I was twelve playing multiplayer PC games, and you and you type in the in the chat interface. If you hit <laughs> Control or Delete twice, you'll exactly. win. And then you'd exactly see people drop was, yeah. out of the game. Yeah, and it's just like that's legit. That's weird. Yeah, but it's, it, it, I, no, like, and it's such a strong effect. There's no way this is just like in our heads. This it's absolutely real. I mean, it's noticeable that the camera stops <laughs> yeah. running and then it just like shifts the load much faster. So, fuck that game. Oh, another really subtle little trick that I don't want to shout out to because I think most people don't notice it. There's a new system in XCOM 2 where soldiers can get like shaken in battle and get wounded. If yeah. a soldier gets beaten up quite badly in a, in a fight and comes back with not much health, then they can go into the shaking system. Once they've been shaken, if you can bring them through it, they recover, but they don't just recover and go back to normal. They recover and are now better than they've ever been. They get yeah. a significant uh, willpower boost, which means there's like... There's value in having veteran soldiers who've seen the worst of it and have stared death in the face. So and cool. So and that's cool. amazing. Because that's like every character now essentially has this little miniature kind of narrative arc they follow as that happens. And the other feature is if a soldier gets wounded on a map mission, the game adds scars to their character model, which are there anyway as a sort of customization option, but it adds them as, as well. So. It means often you can look at your troops, and I mean just purely on a visual look at them, you can see, yeah, man, this guy's seen some shit. I can rely on this guy. This guy's, he's the one, he's he's the one in the, there. He's the one in the Avengers bar, just sat there with a thousand-yard stare and <coughs> exactly. a whiskey that's not been exactly. dropped for three hours, and it's just like... And then you tab across to your next soldier, and they're maybe the same rank, and they're you know just as skillful, but... They're not any of these scars, and they look young, and they look fresh-faced, and you just do think, like, if shit goes down, you're, I'm not going to be able to rely on you. You're going to panic. You've not, you've not seen the worst of it. You've not been through the right sort of thing, so I'm not sure I trust you at the you, moment. You weren't there when that sectoid exactly. uh, turned Michael against us and murdered three-quarters of the team. Oh, how you mean, weren't there! How mean are the new sectoids as well? I love that they went, you know, the weakest yeah. enemy in the first game. We've made them actually terrifying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> awesome. There's so much good stuff in that game. So much good stuff. Plus, uh, I mentioned the console release as well. The DLC for the PC that had already been released was released oh. at the same time. So you, it's not included, but I, I purchased it in addition okay. to, to the main game. So it was there in the playthrough I had. Um, and it's, it's really good. There's some really cool stuff in there. Lots more customization yeah, yeah. options and story stuff and weapon stuff and all kinds of cool stuff. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a full-featured awesomeness. So please play XCOM. So before we move on to another one of our games, I just want to do my little, my little bi-weekly shout-out to the other content creators producing stuff for BXB Games. 
And predominantly in the last couple of weeks, we have seen a lot of stuff coming from Cameron. He's done all kinds of games and, uh, you know, he's done Starhammer, the Vanguard Prophecy Review. He did On Raid, which he thought was completely bollocks and don't bother looking at that one, so that's fair. But he just did a couple of days ago, uh, Dead Synchronicity, Tomorrow Comes Today on PS4, which seems to be a really cool sort of post-apocalyptic set point and click adventure game to do with the end of all reality itself. Um, and he absolutely adored it. He gave it five stars, said it was amazing. I believe it was originally on iOS. It's now on PS4. Uh, and based on Cameron's recommendation, I might well be checking that out. It's got a really cool art style, actually. Richard, did you uh, check out the video? And I won't I won't fault you if you say no, because I haven't read your witness review. So That's cool. No. Just say <laughs> no, it. No, I didn't see it. I watched, what was the one he did on um, Star Hammer or whatever it was? Yeah, Star I saw that. that was, oh, God, that. That was right. so funny. Shout, shout out to his... Uh, Sort of original <laughs> series of Star Trek style dramatic interpretation <laughs> at the beginning of that. I I don't know what that was, but it was certainly unique. <laughs> certainly unique. Yeah, um, it, may, it may have left me a little bit disturbed. The bit where he kicked the table, the the camera was on to to make it look like the the ship had been shot. Nice, <laughs> nice. I, I was I respected the, the craft. <laughs> very very good craft there. Really really impressive stuff. Right. Now, the question is, Adam, how much will can you sum up to talk about the other two exactly. games on your list? Well, Do you actually say? want to even talk about them? Do you want to just name check them? If, if Cameron's getting sent these awesome sci-fi point-and-click adventure games, what the fuck did I do to get Detective Hasty? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, was, it was PS4. You know, was, you don't have a fucking console. You need to sort yourself know, out, man. I Come know. on. I mean, uh, I just... I actually say at the end of the Detective Hasty review... Um, it's sort of depressing to have to kind of give a negative review to like indie games because you sort of feel like the guy who bursts in the room and goes, Hey guys, here's a thing you've never heard of. And it's shit. So don't worry about it. And then you just like trundle off. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? You will sort of wonder what service you're really doing here, except upsetting a bunch of developers whose game was going to sink without a trace anyway. Um, Detective Hayseed is just bad. It's just a really good reminder that not all point and click games are monkey Island. Um, Some of them are, like properly rubbish and this is it's not even that bad it just feels so kind of odd i'm pretty sure the developers are not native english speakers and whilst the translation is quite good it has that slightly off kilter feel that makes you just not quite have faith in it there's a bunch of super lame film reference jokes that don't even have a joke to them they're just hey this is like that film so that's funny, yeah? No, no, it's not really. It's just annoying. And odd, odd stuff all throughout it. And then, you know, 90% of the puzzles are just obvious and easy. And I literally like, oh, I found a key. And there was that locked door in the other room. So that's a solution. And then the final section is there's like, well, so for example, there was a hook hanging down. And you've got to hit it with something to knock it down. And I've got like a free free weight from a workout bench, but that's too heavy. It will damage the floor. So that's not the solution. Okay. I've got some rope. Yeah. I can't lasso it down. It's too hard. Okay. Throw CD burner at hook. Ah, success. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that is it. <laughs> Fine. So yeah, that is what it is. That's what it ended up as. It's just, I gave it two stars because it's perfectly competent. It's just... Uh, oh, really I was, better it was no no not as good as um wailing heights 
Then. Definitely not as good as Wedding Heights. Wedding Heights was actually quite interesting. I, you know, my issue with Wedding Heights was the music. Yes. But apart from that, like, it had some fun ideas in it, Wedding Heights, whereas this is so standard. And like the good idea it's had is like, hey, it's a pastiche of all these Hollywood characters. And I think in my video review, I say it's like sub bow selector level writing. It's properly rubbish. It's just not funny, ever. <laughs> and there's something about like when a joke misses, it's it's painful. It's not just like oh that bit wasn't very good. It like it makes you die inside a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that's why that's that you know that's why most games don't do comedy because yeah. it's so easy to get it wrong. Yeah. Um, and that's a shame. And the other one, you do you want to quickly even? I mean, Torn Tales, which you Torn played, Tales, you know. which you you only played a, a closed beta role. So I mean, it's not like you need yeah. to. It seemed like a rather passive sort of Diablo. I mean. I tried to be less negative about that because it's like a pre-release thing. And I think yeah, you know, yeah. I, I have my own opinions on whether previews should really step in and start putting the boot in. But I, you know, now we're talking on a podcast. My experience of playing it was that I didn't need to be there. Um, all your characters have got these AI systems where you set them, whether they're going to attack enemies on site or defend the party or stay away from enemies entirely. And once you've got those set, like literally, you know there's enemies have turned up because all your tanks just go charging off to go and fight them. And you just sit there and you go, I don't even need to click anything. I just literally sit and watch this combat and it all resolves itself. And the enemies get killed as efficiently as if I'd been intervening anyway. So what, why am I here? This is a screensaver. <laughs> There's, all I'm doing is ferrying you to the next fight and then watching you win it. There's no gameplay here at all. And so it was just super boring. And then cool. you do get into a fight where you do need to intervene and it's the boss fight and he's got like, infinite health and it's a super miserable experience and you reload your save 10 times until you finally catch him in some ai bug so he just stands still so you can just stand and butcher him for <laughs> literally five minutes of hit, like watching his health bar creep down and great you, you get a magical ring that summons zombies and that's nice and fine but just not not exciting so in in the tradition of me sending you crap games, I will continue to send you crap games. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, what can you do, man? You, you are right that like Steam and 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 the PC market is just absolutely flooded with garbage, but it does mean you know that freedom to release absolute trash also means people can get the occasional mind-bending gem into the world. And so that's the that's the deal I make. Deal with the devil, also yeah. known as Gabe Newell. Um, right. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, he's been replaced now by Palmer Lucky, hasn't he, to be fair? Yes, he has, right. Palmer Lucky is definitely the devil now in, in, in gaming circles. Right, I'm going to quickly tick off a couple before we have our big discussion, me and you, Richard, about the final game uh, of the podcast, as it will be. Uh, I just want to mention I played Bioshock Collection. It's yeah. Bioshock. Bioshock was great when it came out. Uh, <coughs> and Bioshock 2 was pretty good when it came out. And I actually quite like Bioshock Infinite, maybe more than most people. And I, maybe Bioshock Infinite doesn't stand up as well as the other two do, but... Uh, just because of the content being a bit like, whoa, racist. Um, but And everybody's horrible, just horrible people in Bioshock Infinite. But uh, Bioshock 1 is still a fabulously good first-person shooter experience. Uh, and if you haven't played it, for fuck's sake, buy the, buy the collection now. And if you have played it and you, you know, you're looking for, you know, to relive that, you know, in a new sort of HDR-fied version. It was still HD when it first came out, but I don't know. Yeah, a remaster of some kind. Uh, it looks a bit cleaner. Um, that's kind of it's still the same game it's still a good game so you know play that I mean that's what I wanted to mention about that and I don't know how but I spent eight minutes saying that in the review so 
you know, I, don't, I can't remember what I said, but I must have really been waxing lyrical about the beauty of Bioshock. That's pro- That sounds like something I'd do. So, yeah, I probably did that. Um, so, yeah, definitely check that out. And uh, the other one I wanted to quickly mention, of course, was a big release in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and, you know, we, we're not reviewing it. Um, didn't get code for it this time, actually, Richard. But Destiny Rise of Iron came out, didn't it? Did. And I've played it briefly today just to say that I have played it on this show. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Got that one then. Nicely done. Take that box. One of the story missions. And it was fine. It's destiny, you know. Well, right. <laughs> let me let me let me talk about it a little bit more in detail. I've done it. I've done everything in it except the raid at this point, multiple times except the raid. Um, this is definitely feels like we need to put a bunch of grind in to make Destiny last until Destiny Two comes out next year. They mm. they've done some things to change the light upgrade system where it feels like everything is going to take a lot longer for you to get up there unless you are dedicated like you know the top one percent of players are who will just sit and play destiny all day every day um everything it feels like it's slowed down the actual story is complete fucking nonsense I, whereas taking king was actually pretty good and made sense this one it's just totally forgettable um the environments i found immediately kind of disappointing because you're you're back in the cosmodrome and it's like on earth and you're like i've seen all this before whereas taking king again the dreadnought it was a new environment it felt fresh it felt interesting i mean i even thought and think to myself if they set this on the moon or if they set this on mars those were environments i felt like i'd been in less than the cosmodrome so maybe that would have been more interesting with more variety and maybe more options but no this is back on the cosmodrome it's winter now i guess that's the thing uh so things are snowy great i mean it's you know it feels like someone's watched game of thrones and thought ah people like that let's put that in destiny this, now this to me is them leaning the most heavily into the the central conceit of destiny that they don't really talk about and that destiny isn't science fiction destiny is fantasy yeah with a science fiction rapper um destiny is a high fantasy concept it's, it's exactly why my wife loves it because she, she loves fantasy more than science fiction. And I think they've done this, this very clever thing where they basically merged the two disparate genres into this, into this mostly cohesive whole. And it makes for a very compelling setting. And this one it really leans into the idea of it being fantasy. Um, it's fine. It's fine. I still like the moment-to-moment gunplay of Destiny. You know, it's still enjoyable. It just feels now that we've reached the very end of what can be done in this game and that they are just bumping up against that pipeline. They're bumping up against the restriction of the game that's built into the way this game is developed so heavily now that there's just no more that can be done. And it, and it, and it feels like that. It feels like this was a last gasp with a small team because everybody else is on Destiny 2 uh, and that, you know, somehow they're going to string this out for another year. But I'm, I'm, I've, already, I've already bounced off of it, basically. I'm already done. You done so. with it already? Yeah, it, so, it, yeah it does yeah. feel. We kind of assume that everyone's on Destiny Two. It's just a shame that this is the way it has to go out. If this is the last major DLC, because Taken King last year was a was real excellent. big, real big resurgence in, yeah. um, you know, rounding off that package from a disappointing first year, and to end it on that note as well, a bit of a letdown, really. A little bit, a little bit. I mean, it's cool to hear that things like Luke Smith, who was the, the lead direct, uh, creative director on Taken King, is now rumoured to be the, the main guy in charge of Destiny 2. That gives me, that gives me hope for that sequel. Um, but hey, I'll buy it. I'll still play it, you know. It's fine. I'm still there. I just, I just, I don't know. I'm kind of bored of what it's at right now. But I'll keep, I'll keep it to the ground and see what happens. 
see if there's new stuff and, and things like that. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that. Um, okay. The big news. The big release of just two of yesterday. This came out yesterday um, for certain editions of the game. If you bought the Ultimate Edition of it, you were able to get it from yesterday, uh, which is the major releases on Tuesday, uh, our time of recording next week. And it's Gears of War 4. Um, and I started playing it at 8 a.m. yesterday, and I finished it about four hours ago, something like that today. Uh, and I had, a, I had a thoroughly good time, the single player. Uh, obviously, this is going to be a spoiler-free discussion of it, though you know what I'm like, people. If I let any go, I am sorry, but I, I do sometimes. Mention things that I don't consider I'm on, spoilers. I'm only halfway through, so please Much don't. like the character Mark Watney in The Martian. Yes, he gets off fucking Mars, you fucking retards. Of course he does. I'm sorry. I got a lot of people giving me a lot of hate for mentioning that, but he's the lead of the film. He's gonna get it off, get off Mars. They're not gonna kill him, are they? They might. They're fucking retards. They won't. It's a Hollywood movie. Just suck it up. Shut up, you two. Um, but um, just, just if I let if I let a little spoilers go, I apologize. But yeah, Gears of War four. I've beaten the story. Me and you played a little bit of Horde earlier, didn't we, Richards? We did, um, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely more Gears of War. Um, the first part of the game especially feels very much like they've paired it back. They've, got, they've kind of gone back a bit to the original Gears, in, in not necessarily in tone, but in, in counter design, I'd say. Uh, smaller scale. Um, they, they, I actually really... Uh, how much have you played of the single player so far? How much have you experienced JD and, uh, God, the other two? Kate, Kate and... Del. Del, Del. How, how much have you experienced those guys at this point? Um, enough to see some jeopardy in what they might lose, if that's not too vague. But um, how much do you like them? Because I kind of I found myself liking them pretty much immediately. I, I really really dug the relationships. I dug that there's kind of like a little bit of um, potential romancy stuff going on between certain characters, but it, it, it never it never it's never overt. There's like a bu- a budding something happening. But it's, it's, it's a lot more subtle than you'd expect yeah. war to be, where previously women in Gears of War have been reduced to a tattoo on a big muscled arm. And <laughs> the, the, that's essentially what Maria <laughs> was in Gears 2. Yeah, basically. And, but yeah, it, it feels like they've gone much more for a uncharted tone. And not to say that they've got to that level of you know, the uncharted dialogue and patter that is pretty much unrivaled still. They definitely want to head in that direction. It's, but the, I finished it, like I said. So I'd say by the end of that game, we're 95% of the way there. Um, the cutscenes are really well done. Um, the, the digital acting and the voice acting, is, it's, it's very, very, very good. Um, Occasionally funny as well. Yeah, no, no, you'll get quite a lot. Of that. There's humour throughout. There's no more of that bro stuff, the bro-y, bro-ness of the original Gears. It's, it's much more banter, and there's light-heartedness, and there's, like, there, there's an intelligence. Because, for example, J- JD and Dell are, unlike Marcus and Cole, they're officers. They came from COG officer training, right? So there's an intelligence to these characters. They're mm-hmm. not just meatheads. They've actually they've immediately sort of set them apart because because Marcus, I believe, was a sergeant, right? So he was non-commissioned, right? So he was a grunt. He started off as a grunt, and he, you know, for that because of that, he was grunt-like, you know, very meathead, very jarhead, very that kind of aspect. Whereas JD, fifty-two percent type, isn't he? A little bit, yeah. yeah. That's a good way of putting it, actually. Yeah, very, very true, very true. <laughs> uh, politics connection. Um, 
Yeah, it was where JD is the, the son of, of Anya and, and Marcus. And obviously Anya was uh, an intelligence officer, I believe, in the, uh, in the first games and stuff. She's uh, not around anymore. No spoilers, but, you know, things have happened. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, there's an interesting... We know Marcus is in this, so I'm not gonna, it's not a spoiler to say Phoenix comes back. The relationship stuff between him, the father and son, brilliantly well done. Mm-hmm. It's layered, it's funny. Um, his, his, um, his return and how they handle it, it's understated, it's not bombastic, it's subtle, you know, they're, they're, it's a lot more subtle and a lot more nuance in the story here than uh, I ever expected to see from a Gears of War game. I, I am genuinely impressed with the way the narrative's been handled. Um, I was a little bit worried, though, I was talking to you, wasn't I, Richard, before I did my final push to finish the game earlier today, I was a little bit worried about the repetitive nature of Gears of War, the fact that the combat is still so Gears of War and that the moment-to-moment gameplay hasn't really evolved. Now, I'm not going to spoil anything, but in that final act, there's a thing that they do which is so fucking dumb that it is incredibly awesome. And you will know exactly what I mean when you get there, Richard, and Mm. your reaction will probably be similar to mine. It's so, so over-the-top stupid, and yet I enjoyed every moment of it. And, and And it was perfect, yeah. Pretty damn perfect with that game. And it really, it ends really strongly, but with enough of a hook to what's coming around the corner with five and six. Because, you know, Microsoft likes to restart and create new trilogies. I, I think it's already on a better footing than the second Halo trilogy. Um, and I'm, I am more interested to see where the story goes, even if I'm less interested to play the game. Because I enjoy first the first-person shooter aspects of Halo more than I do the third-person shooter aspect of Gears of War. I just find that bullet spongy cover based you know you'll be walking along won't you richard and you'll be like oh well there's going to be a fight here how do i know there's going to be a fight here loads of waist height covers cover scuttered across the map oh i guess that means i'll be popping around doing some shooting in a second oh look there's a a new emergence hole or whatever they call it with the swarm um i was a bit disappointed with the revelation of what the enemies were and stuff um it's not that creative but at the same time it's it's well it's what you'd expect because what else could they do? So no spoilers there. Um, I didn't like fighting the enemies at the start of the game. I don't know about how you found that, Richard, but I found it, what you fight at the beginning. It kind of drags on a bit too long, and you think, yeah. I, I, I bought Gears, not a Mass Effect knockoff. Because yeah. it does feel kind of like fighting Geth for two hours, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. but, but they tie that in nicely to what happens at the end, and it's kind of like, oh, okay, that's cool. Um... So that's that's kind of fun. It was it was a, a, a twist at the in the fifth act that I saw coming a mile off. That, let me just put it this way: the, the the enemies are called DBs. There's a reason they're called DBs. If you use the brain for half a second, you can work out why they're called DBs. Um, so I mean, I'm <laughs> trying not to spoil this. I think I'm doing quite well. Um, but yeah, I think I haven't reviewed it yet. I'm going to put some time into Horde, uh, and I'm going to put some time into the, the, the versus modes. Um, little bit worried to see all the microtransaction card packs and how that's going to play into the competitive side of the game. Um, not a massive fan of that sort of thing, but you know, much like yourself, Richard. But um, yeah, I think it's it's been been solid so far in gameplay. Exactly what I expect from Gears of War, and surprisingly good from the story. Yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. Um... On that Uncharted note, I mean, it's not just the dialogue I wanted to express as well. The, the visual style as well feels very mm-hmm. much like an Uncharted game, down yep. to the architecture, the colour scheme. It feels very much Uncharted. Well, it's, 
talk about the visuals then, I guess. It's gorgeous, isn't it? It's yeah. unbelievably good looking. There's very little difference between the cutscenes and the gameplay um, when it comes to visuals. That you, you get a bit more, uh, obviously, fidelity in the faces when they pull in and start doing the cutscenes and stuff like that. Um, but the moment, it's just stunning. There's some amazing weather weather effects yeah. with the, um, the crazy sort of storms that come in and how they change up the levels due to that and in the encounters that you're dealing with. Um, you know, it, it is un- the presentation is just mind-blowingly good. Um, and just it just helps you immerse. And like you said, there's more color in there than the original Gears trilogy, uh, which makes it feel more modern. And I, and I just think, you know, you've got, much more modern protagonists. You've got a much more modern feel to the game. It feels like they've done a really good job of bringing it um, into 2016, you know, and it's not, it doesn't feel like a game from, from 20, 2007, eight, something like that, I guess, Gears of War. Yeah. Like, no, earlier than that, was it six? Six or seven, the first one? Uh, I think it was the year after the 360 came out. So, yeah, 2006, I think. Okay, yeah. That sounds about right, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I would like to talk to you once you finish the story, definitely. See what you yeah. think about that. But, uh, yes. Review will be forthcoming probably tomorrow evening, Monday, something like that. Yeah, I should have the video up for that. But uh, yeah, it's good. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good fun. Good um, design as well in terms of integrating it into the wider experience. So you, you were telling me about the integration of the horde mode within the campaign. Mm. And I thought, well, that, that sounds yeah. odd. But it, it, it does actually weird. work without yeah. being a sort of arcade shooter uh, like what's the last one called judgment which just felt like a series of enemy boxes didn't it well that's the problem i mean when when they do the horde stuff in the single player it does feel a bit like oh that's we're doing that because we haven't really got to think about encounter design that much um mm. we just build this one environment and you can now hold a position um always a good way of padding out that level as well they do it three times um from what i remember and each time Oh, they do it again. They do it three times, and each time they do it, they give you more toys to play with mm-hmm. um, from the fabricator. Um, but yeah, it's and each time is more difficult. I mean, yeah, what, one of the things they pace quite, they pace the encounters quite well. It definitely feels like as you play through the game, the difficulty of the encounters ramps up. You face progress. You know, with that they do that great thing as you know in any good game where you fight an enemy first time and you're like, holy shit, what the fuck is that? How am I going to deal with that? And then by the end of the game, you're fighting three of them at once, yeah. four of them at once. Uh, and, and they, they do that really nicely. And it's the lead into the bigger encounters. You, you can see what they're doing. You can see how they're telegraphing things. But at the same time, it works really well. Um, and there are some definitely what the fuck moments when, I, when a certain enemy will be revealed, maybe one you remember from the past or maybe a brand new one. And you're like, what? What now? What does that do? How do I stop that? That's insane. Um, I'll tell you how you stop it. Torque bow. Always torque bow. That's my <laughs> go-to weapon for pretty much any big dude. Uh, I love the torque bow. Yes, that's a very, very good gun. From Gears of War. Adam, have you ever played any Gears of War games? <laughs> I played the first one, hated it. Um, cool! It's interesting, interesting to hear you guys talk about it, though. Like, I, I never imagined that there was narrative in a Gears of War game beyond the blossoming love between a man and a chest-high wall, which all the Gears of War games <laughs> seem to be about. Um... You know, like I've just looked at the screenshots. I'm pleased they've discovered colours other than brown. That is yeah. good. Um, but I, I hate the gameplay so much in the Gears of War games. I, it's like, it's essentially for me, they've made an entire game out of the worst bit of every interesting action-adventure game I've ever played. 
Um, so I'm, I'm never really going to get on with Gears of War. The, the, the entire concept of a cover-based shooter is a very strange one, if you think about it. It's about moving slowly, it's about hiding, and it's about regenerating health, all of which shouldn't really be fun. Um, and that's kind of the, the that's kind of the issue I have with the whole franchise is that 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 concept when it was introduced wasn't introduced by Gears of War. There were games that had done it beforehand, but popularized by Gears of War in two thousand and six. Um, it kind of felt new then. It it feels so tired now. Uh, they they have done things to to increase the sort of the speed and the um, violence of it i suppose you can pull enemies over the cover into you and execute them you obviously yeah. have a chainsaw on the end of your gun so if you just want to run in and and cut a dude in half that that literally never gets boring i might add never uh same thing as curb stomping a dude in the face and execute him never gets boring just they should give that back to seth rollins by the way um i'm just saying they had to get some wrestling in um <laughs> uh, yeah i mean it's gears of war it, i think it's done it's done a surprisingly good job of being Gears of War and yet feeling modern. It, it has done that, I think, for the most part. Um, but yeah, in Adam, in your case, if you if you don't like Gears of War, this isn't suddenly going to make you like Gears of War. I mean, it's inherently the same experience. Yeah. It just has a much, much, much better written story with real characters, and it looks gorgeous. You know, but it's still that game. You still fire, you know, a whole clip into a dude, and he doesn't flinch or doesn't die. Which is bizarre. It's still strange to me, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Richard, I can't wait to talk to you about the fifth act when you get there and some of the some of the revelations and gameplay changes. No, I'm looking forward to it. So I'm over halfway through. Shouldn't be too much longer. Yeah, it's quite quite short. You mentioned that, I guess. I, I think I did the whole campaign in about on normal in about six six seven hours maybe, which feels like I think it was shorter than other gears games. I mean. I will point out, I play it on normal because that's how I always try to review every game, is on normal. In this case, they actually kind of say uh, normal's kind of for pussies, you should be playing on hardcore. And I feel like if you're tuning the game to be played at hardcore, then you should call hardcore normal. Um, and, and that's on them. So I did find it, I didn't die very much, I found it pretty easy, so I suspect hardcore would have been better or will be better on subsequent playthroughs for me it uh, does feel very forgiving because i've been taken down quite a few yes. times but when oh, that i happens, stopped caring i stopped caring about going down it doesn't yeah, matter does it yeah. you, you've almost got to try to be killed outright uh, the, but you, you can be knocked down at which point the enemies usually back off and allow your um squad to your, pick you up your, your squad to pick yeah. you up yeah which meant it just felt it felt like a weird weirdly balanced in that regard. Yeah, I mean that's probably a normal difficulty thing. But uh, yeah, the only times I doubt out died outright was when I was already hurt and then got a shotgun at point blank range and jibbed. But that I think happened once. Mm. Um, so it was it was very 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 rare. But the checkpointing is super frequent anyway. Uh, it's yeah. literally before every encounter. So you know, and it's got that thing, hasn't it? Gives you so you walk into an environment, you see your chest high cover you know there's going to be a fight you have your fight and then it hits that guitar chord doesn't it so you know you're beating everybody and it's just like this is such a weird game <laughs> in this in this year 2016 there's so many things about it that feel a bit odd and old-fashioned and out of place but i think it it, it works all right it works all right Saying that, there is a funny bit that subverts it. I don't think this is really a spoiler, but um, that guitar hit when you've cleared a room, 
Um, that happens at one point in the game. And then there's more enemies. <laughs> and then you, you kill them and there's another guitar bit. Um, one of your uh, squad says, I think we're going to have to redefine what cleared room means. <laughs> Didn't that happen? Doesn't that happen at the end of the game? Near the end of the game, Richard? Because I, I had that. Um, well, I'm not oh, near no, the end. No. I, had, I had a thing in like the fifth act, similar line of dialogue, where JD goes, all clear! And he goes, and... Uh, Dell goes, stop saying that. We yeah. haven't had it. It's not been all clear for days. We've been fighting <laughs> one after another enemies. Every time you say all clear, more dudes show up. Yeah. And then Marcus oh. chimes in, because of course it's what Marcus originally would say. Marcus, Marcus chimes in and he's like, no, but it is all clear. Can you see anybody right now? It's all clear. And he's like, seriously, if one of you fuckers say that again, he goes, well, don't worry about it. If there's more guys, I'll deal with them. <laughs> uh, he just dismisses yeah. him with it. And it's just like, yeah, okay. I like, okay. I like you know, another game. Yes, yeah. yes, funny. Another game that's aware of what it is, and it's yeah. like the, aware of its legacy because they're the, the children of the characters. At least in JD's case, it's like, yeah, he is Marcus's son. Of course, he's going to be a bit like Marcus, but at the same time, he can look at Marcus and his Marcus stuff and be like, "What the fuck, man? What's wrong with you?" You know. So it's it's it works. It works from a character dynamic point of view. They're very very clever in the story and the writing. Anyway. That's Gears of War 4. There will be a full review very soon on the website. If any of you guys got anything else you wanted to chuck in, I know there's a few little bits peppered on your list. If any of you wanted to, to throw out a final little game or whatnot. I have a question for Richard. <laughs> Richard. Oh, ask. Ask what, away. What game are you most looking forward to next year, and why is it Sonic Mania? That is my question <laughs> to you. <laughs> you know me well. Sonic. There's a couple of Sonic games coming next year. Uh, Sonic Mania is the more indie developed old yes. school 2d scrolling one isn't it yes it is and proper that's why i'm looking forward to it am i foolish to look forward to a sonic game in this day and age well i don't, don't know, know. I, I watched 15 minutes of gameplay footage from it earlier today and i um yes i'm i am disgustingly excited about that um, are you guys are old school sonic fans then? yes absolutely yeah and if you, if you, I mean, if you want to look up the dictionary definition of franchise that was sodomized to death, I think Sonic would be the one. Like it's been brutalized relentlessly by a company that's just never known what to do with it, and the answer is just keep making Sonic Two over and over again. For God's sake! Exactly. Yeah, I, re I remember um, around the Sonic Two era, I spent a lot of time around your new <coughs> house yes. playing Sonic Two and eating jam sandwiches. Yes, and. It was great. So, Sonic team have never topped that experience, is jam, no. jam sandwich or not. Um, Sonic Indeed. Have you guys, talking about Sonic, have you guys read the, or listened to the book um, about the console wars between Sega and Nintendo? Uh, I've, oh, I'm, you know, I'm familiar with the events of that war, but I've not read it. I mean, let me, let me, you can talk amongst yourselves. Let me find the book I'm talking about because it's really, really good and I want to recommend it to you because you, there's a lot of stuff about Sonic, his design, why he was designed, about behind the scenes stuff in there and really, really interesting. So uh, the thing I'm excited about for Sonic Mania is uh, there's like, there's various sort of development blogs and information from the guy who's working on it primarily, whose name I now forget, but I think he's Tim Whitehead, but that might be wrong. Christian Whitehead. Christian Whitehead, okay. They've reverse engineered basically the entire like physics set for the original Sonic games. And it sounds silly, but when you watch the videos, I think you can tell there's been something slightly wrong. Sonic's been too light for far too long. Mm. Um, and you can tell immediately when you watch this footage, no, you've got it right now. Like 
if you lose all your speed and have to run up a hill, it's hard work suddenly. And I like that. I think it's good. Yeah. And the level design looks like they've stopped going, hey, here's a spring, and it'll make you go really fast. And there's a vertical line of spikes that are going to kill you for doing it. So don't ever go fast in this Sonic game. They don't do any of that. Like it's a game that wants you to travel quickly. And oh, I'm just really excited for it. I just you know, it's, it's my nostalgia dose, I suppose. But oh, looks great. Cons- Console Wars, Sega, Nintendo, and the Battle that defined a generation by Blake J. Harris. I recommend oh, it, guys. Seriously, oh, it's, uh, it it's really, really well done and researched, and goes into a lot of detail on both sides. Um, so I was quite, I'm quite, yeah, I, I dig that book. If you're into that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't have that nostalgia. I was never a 2D platformer guy, really. So that was never my jam. Uh, I missed that. I was too busy playing RTSs, I think, at that point. So I just I just didn't get into that at all on consoles. So I always preferred uh, Sonic to Mario, though, just because a bit edgier, you know? A little bit cooler. A little bit, you know, the speed. It's fast, isn't it? Mario's a fat plumber that takes forever yeah. to do Sonic's like, going through shit. It's awesome. I think I probably ag- I would have agreed with you back in the 90s, but I was wrong. Mario is better. <laughs> like I said, no horse in this fight. <laughs> I just realised, on this podcast, I've discussed Mario and Sonic. I am basically regressing to 14 years old again. <laughs> but, and, but also bipartisan, so <laughs> That's fine. You see, you, yeah, wouldn't have been like, you wouldn't have been like that for, when you were fourteen, would you? You'd have been Sonic's baby. Oh, Nintendo, totally. oh, Nintendo sucks. Mario's well gay. Totally. I mean, I, I'm basically in line with Richard now. I think I, I, you know, I have warm nostalgic feelings about Sonic, but as a game designer, Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo is about as close as you can get to actual perfection. Oh. It's just an un- unbelievable piece of design. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You, you can't argue. The well, Sonic the question is, in the, end. the question is, in two weeks' time, will we have any more impeccable pieces of design to talk about? Fingers crossed we will. Possibly talk about, I don't know, I haven't played it yet. I, I, we haven't received any code for Mafia, and I'm, and I'm kind of, after looking at the, some videos of the problems in that game, I can kind yeah. of decide to see why perhaps <laughs> we didn't get review code for uh, Mafia. But that might, that might still show up next week. We'll, apparently we'll nobody did. No one got it. No, I know. Any. I know. Yeah. No, nobody did. Because it looks like a broken mess. Based on a few videos I've watched on YouTube so far, I, um, I, all I knew about was that they've left the frame lock on from the console version in the PC version. God, if I, have I to hear, if I have to hear a PC gamer fucking losing their shit over something as boring as frame rate one more fucking I time, I agree with you. I agree with you. It does Who, not matter. Does it make? It's a single player open world experience. Why would the frame rate matter? Like, why? Well, what, why? I'm asking you. I'm asking you, Adam. Why does it matter? Me, it's water cooler conversation, mate. So you can go into work and say, I've got Mafia 3 running at 200 frames a second. That's it. Is that and a, yet my a penis that. is like this. Yeah. The big difference between console gaming and PC gaming, and why ultimately, even though I'm the PC editor, I sort of miss being a console player, <laughs> is that if you load a console game and the frame rate is bad, that means the people who made it fucked up. If you load a PC game and the frame rate is bad, that means your internet penis is too small for this game. <laughs> and that is miserable. That is a miserable experience. I just love, I love how I keep sending you games to review and it's like, you can't get it to work and it just mentions you Every time it's like, I hate PC gaming! I hate it. Sorry, sorry, it's funny shit, man. You know, but like, I think another reason why people do care about frame rate is that if you're running at 30 frames per second, it's less a visual thing and it's more a control response thing. If a game's running at 30 frames per second, that means there's 
automatically 40 milliseconds of lag on every control input you make and probably double that actually because of the way frames are usually built one frame ahead of where the actual game state is usually when you look at a video game what you're seeing is what the last frame was doing when you had the control input it's all complicated to explain but often there's a sort of time warp effect whereas at 60 frames per second you're getting a nice 20 millisecond response time so it does matter a bit but not I enough see, i see i see what you're saying and what you're saying is all scientifically i'm sure and technically bang on correct but at the same time does that really affect you playing an open world single player game no, no, I agree. It's, uh, well, the only reason I'm hesitating is, for example, I stopped playing all of the Guitar Hero games the day I couldn't play them on a CRT television anymore because I cannot bear the latency um, that comes in with modern HDTVs. It is intolerable to me in a rhythm action game. So those games died for me the day I got rid of my old CRT. So I am a, something of an elitist when it comes to certain kinds of input lag. Not for this sort of thing, though, I have to say. I think this is just nonsense, but whatever. Well, I'm sure we'll be back in two weeks' time to talk about a lot more fucking nonsense. Because that's what we do here at BXB's Bits and Bobs. Isn't that right, guys? It is. Indeed. So, with that, I will say, get your asses onto Twitter and follow us at BXB Games, and follow me at DIYE, and follow Richard at Colonel Red, and follow Adam at Adam Breed and Dev. Am I getting these all right? You if I'm correct. not, please tell me. And then also sign up to us on Facebook, and then you can sign up to us on YouTube, and we also have a Twitch channel, all of them are BXB, uh, BXB Games in various places, and say nice things about us, and subscribe to the podcast, and... Do all the likes and sharing shit, because I don't mention that enough, but it would help, and it would be nice if you did it. But, you know, if you don't, I won't hold it against you. So that's been episode 11 of BXB's Bits and Bobs. We'll be back with episode 12 in about two weeks' time, after which it will be just after Battlefield 1 gets released. So maybe we'll be talking about that. Who knows? So see you all then. Bye-bye! Bye!